find a very interesting fact about Nayak. The Sukkim in the end of Parshas Nayak, really, in the end of Parshas Bracious, rather, introduce us to the birth and the nature of Nayak. We know that the father of Nayak was Lemeth. And when he had this son, Nayak, he named him Nayak because he said, This son, he said prophetically, will alleviate the all of our stress, all of the anguish that we have in doing all of our labor from the ground which was cursed by Hashem. And what Rashi says in Chazal is that Nayach, when he was born, his father saw that something would change in the world as a result of his birth. Nayach was an innovator. He was the one that invented the plowshare. He went and he figured out that it's so difficult to till the soil by hand and to make sure that all the necessary ingredients to produce wheat and to produce all types of fruit are met because they didn't have any tools. Today we think of you know, gardening, even gardening is, is, is a difficult task, but that's with all the equipment that you're able to buy in the store. Imagine not having any of that and having to take seeds and actually physically digging up the earth with your hand and then watering the grass with your, with, with buckets and pails and figuring out different ways and it was very difficult. And Nayak saw what was going on in the world and he said, things have to change. I have to take it upon myself to make life easier for humanity. And he created and he invented different types of plowing tools, the plowshare and the and the the hoe and the rake and all the things that are necessary to enable a person to dig and to plant and to harvest with ease. That was Nayaf's contribution to society. And that was an amazing step forward in terms of having to advance man's ability to to work the earth. And for this reason, his father named him Nayak, that he is going to be all of that shvitz and the toil and the stress of being mefarnes one's family through agriculture is going to be eased up because of the birth of this child. So the word Nayak really relates to this gift that Nayak gave to the world of making life easier for mankind through his invention. That's what Nayak means. Nayak means easy. There's a story, a cute little story of Hutner was very brilliant. And uh, a story is told that when he was uh, in his last days in the hospital, he was in Eretz Yisrael. He died in Eretz Yisrael. He was he's buried on Harazesim. The last, I believe, ten years of his life, he moved from Brooklyn to Eretz Yisrael, and that's where he started Pachad Yitzchak, a yeshiva in Harnov. And so the nurse that was tending to him 
asked him in Hebrew, of course, she was an Israeli nurse, she says, Kvod harav, Noach, are you, meaning, are you comfortable? So he says, he joked in his inimitable manner, he says, Ani kvar I'm no longer in Nayak, I'm already holding by Lecha, I'm on my way out. But the word Nayak connotes this being comfortable, being at ease, being well-rested. That's what Nayak wanted. The irony is that I think if you were to find the person in Tanakh who had the most difficult, physical, laborious life, I think it would be hard to find somebody that worked harder in his life than Nayak. Chazal tell us, right at the beginning of this week's parsha, HaKadosh Baruch commands him, teva, make for yourself an ark. And Rashi says, There's a lot of ways HaKadosh Baruch could have rescued the family of Nayak. He could have made, I don't know, a, a big hole in the ground and, you know, made him be swallowed up in the earth for the duration of the Mabel. He could have maybe, you know, had a flying saucer that would be able to, you know, let him spin around the earth a couple of times during during the Mabel. Why did Nayak have to go and physically be Matriach? That's Lash Navashi. For Lama Hitrichu Babinyan Zakarishbarfu made him Schmitz in this Endeavor called the Teva, that the people of the Daramabo should see him busy. Kufchav Shana, 120 years, Vishayel and Isai, Mazai what are you doing? What are you schwitzing so much for? For who I'm there, and he would respond every time asked, HaKadosh is going to bring soon a mabel to the world and maybe that would stir them up to do tshuva. We find also parenthetically on the table there is Chazalim that describe how hard it was for Nayak to be able to work all the animals on the teva. He had to feed each and every animal their own diet and each animal had their own time of eating, time of drinking, time of sleeping and he had to have a whole... I guess like a whole uh, uh, chart to be able to know exactly, like a you know, to know exactly how to manage every one of the thousands upon thousands of animals, and it was so difficult. The Gemara says that he was like spitting up blood the whole year. He was so you know completely stressed out. He worked very very hard, Nayaf. And so, isn't it ironic? that a person who made it his goal and mission in life to make the world a place which was easier for mankind, a place that they didn't have to sweat so hard, a place that they could have a nayach and have menucha. Isn't it ironic that he of all people should be the one that's working so hard to build HaKadosh Baruch Hu's and I think if this is a problem which bothers us at all, it's because we grew up in America. And our definition of living a restful, easy existence is one which is new in terms of what the world, up until you know the past 100, 150 years, 
conceived an easy life. In America, we are brought up with a notion that the American dream is to start, let's say, a high-tech company, cash out by the time we're 25, 30 years old, you know, with a billion dollars in the bank, and then be able to sort of just sit poolside, <laughs> sipping pina coladas and, you know, reading the Wall Street Journal. That's our, that's our you know, idea of what it is to have a good life, to retire young, to be able to, you know, have a life without any worries, without any, just completely sitting on a lounge chair and relaxing. That's our perception of a happy, good, comfortable life. But the truth is that that's not what life is intended to be, and that was never the understanding of anyone, or any from a yid at least, in terms of what our life is supposed to be. The Gemara says in Sanhedrin, on that Tzaditesa Medbez, quoting a Pasuk in Eiv, the Pasuk says in Parakei, Adam la'amal yulav, a person was created to work very hard, amelos, to toil and to sweat and to really, you know, roll up your sleeves and accomplish a lot in life. The Gemara says, from that pasuk, I don't know what type of amelos that is. I mean, there's a lot of ways of sweating. Is it amelos, stam amelos of, of working, you know, on the, on the railroad tracks? My father, Obashalm, used to tell me that when he was in Neri Yisrael in the 1940s in Baltimore, so the Rosh Hashiva, I think it was Rav Ruderman, I mean, the Rosh Hashiva of Neri Yisrael, I know it was Rav Ruderman, I just don't know if that was exactly the one who told, who said this, but in the middle of Shear, he pointed out the window, and there were like people like working very, very hard building a railroad track in Baltimore. And... You know, they're schmitzing in the hot sun. If anyone's ever been to Baltimore in the summer, it's, it's humid and it's really, really difficult to breathe there. And there are people standing outside and like really doing schmitzing and, and clapping and, 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 and laying tracks and the most, the most difficult of labor. And he said, he'll never forget, as the Rosh Shiva said, that you see how hard, pointing out the window, you see how hard these people are working day in and day out to build these train tracks, he says, we should be working harder than that. Chazal say, I don't know what, what type of amelos it is. Is it amelos working and building a train track? Or is it amelos of Tyra? And the Gemara says, the reason why you were born is amelos of Tyra. We're here to really work very hard using all of our mental and physical capacities to further and advance the cause of Liman That's why we're here. But the Gemara says, and Ruchim Lubavitz writes that the Havamin of a Gemara is also Chashu, which means we know that there are Hasidim are very into this concept, that even a Havamina, if the Gemara even entertains a possibility, even if that's not the Maskana, there is a Kedusha and a reality even in the Havamin of a Gemara. And if there's a Havamin in the Gemara that a man was born to schwitz and to work really hard, even not in learning, then there's truth to that as well. And Rabbi Yerucham says, if you work really hard and you work L'Shem Shemayim, that's a tremendous thing also. But a person has to work in his life. 
there's no such thing as a person saying, even if he's born, you know, with a major trust account and trust fund and he's got a million dollars in his portfolio and he could just sort of, you know, glide through life, a person has to work. The Pasuk and Eiv is a command. Adam la'amol yulag. A person must toil in this life. That's why we are here. Not to relax. Not to be lazy and to be very, very laid back. A person has to figure out something to do in his life and work very hard at accomplishing that goal. It might be in learning. And it might be in Tvarim Acherim. For whatever it is, there's a Kedusha on everything and a person has to never rest on his laurels and say, okay, I made my money, I have my portfolio, I'm done. A person always has to work. In one form or another, a person has to work. Adam Arishain, going back to the beginning of time, Adam Arishain was the person that you think would have the easiest of life. Adam Arishain, the Gemara says, he lived in Gan Eden. Gan Eden was the most beautiful area to live in the entire universe. And he didn't have to worry about anything at the beginning of his existence. The Gemara Medrash says that there were malachim that were tzayim leibosar. He had a constant barbecue. Angels were baking and cooking and making him the most delicious meals. All he had to do was one thing. He was put in Gan Eden not to relax, but la'avdo l'shamra. He was supposed to work in Gan Eden. What type of work was that? He was supposed to learn. La'avdo l'shamra. Again, Chazal tell us, it means to be Ayvid Hashem and to keep all the mitzvahs that he was given. We know, unfortunately, he blew it. And there was a, he, he was chaytin with the Eitzadas and, and because of that, history changed. And suddenly he was banished from Ganeid and there wasn't going to be that lifestyle of Amelos Batayra 24-7. Now he was sent out and he had to do work a new world order. He had to shvit, he had to work the ground. And this is how life sort of civilization began to develop in a way of majorly working the fields, working the ground, not being able to have the leisure of learning as much as originally, but still learning and serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the meantime, while you know, while the crops are growing, after all the labor was done, you hop a minute here, a minute there. When Noyach came to the world, and a lot of the things that I'm speaking out is Rebiruchim. Not everything, but a lot is, you'll find it in Dasheira. When, that's the name of Rebiruchim Sefer. The, Noyach came to the world and looked at the world around him. <coughs> and he saw that people were working too hard. He didn't like the fact that people were spending so much time with amelos of things not in Torah. They were busy with the Habamino that Gemara and Sanhedrin. That the amelos was an amelos of Derech That the amelos was an amelos of He felt bad. And he wanted to change that. So he went to his laboratory and he developed all of these tools why did he do that? Because he wanted people to have nayach. He wanted people to have a menucha in their life. But not a menucha 
of retirement type of menucha, going to Boca and like settling down. That wasn't the point of his menucha. The Lashur of Yerucham was, Umataras ha-menucha ena cholila b'shvil margoya shalhoilos ba'alma. The resting that Nayach envisioned for the world was nachas v'shalom, a resting of stam, you know, bitl's man. Ela menuchas ava, o menuchas shlema shata reitzeba, a divine menucha that HaKadosh Baruch would get nachas from. A menucha being able to learn and to be able to daven with a, with a free mind. To be able to do mitzvahs properly. That's what Nayak developed these tools for in order to ease the lifestyle of people. Not so they should just um, be lazy, but rather they should work harder in the realm of the Hashem. Ubazem matzachin beine Hashem v'zoch ha'yedeza l'netzach el me'ad. He was zoich and Nayak because he did this. He found chen in the eyes of Hashem. Menayach matzah chen. What's the chen? HaKadosh Baruch Hu loved the fact that he tried to promote this movement of being able to be marbitz taira, to be able to spread the furtherance of taira, innovation in taira, chiddush in taira, by receding the amelos of tvar macherem, thereby he would be able to increase and to boost the productivity of mankind, la'abda l'shamra again, as Adam Arisha and Kaidem I found something amazing in the Arvid al-Yahu. He brings that in the days of the Dar there was a hashvas ha'tayla ba'ilam, and there was a perfect climate. I was just speaking to somebody this week, who was in California for Sukkot. And he was telling me how, like, the amazing, the, the weather was perfect all year. I said, that's not a fish. The weather in California, in LA, is perfect the whole year. You don't have to, you know, be in California for Sukkot or for Pesach, but it's perfect. It's the same, you know, 78 degrees, sunny, perfect, the entire year through. And that's exactly the way it was. I'm not, Ali was saying that there's a comparison between LA and the Dara Mabel. But the way, that was the that was the climate the Argadayel brings in the times of the Daramabal. The times of the the weather was absolutely perfect. He says it's like the time between Pesach and Atzeres. We know the best time weather-wise of the year is between Pesach and Shavuos. I think the Marsha says that that's why the Tamidi Rabbi Akiva died after then. Because if they would have died in the winter, so everybody would say, okay, it's nothing to do with Rabbi Akiva, you know, with, with Midas rice or whatever, it's Sarasayan. It's because, you know, they probably caught a flu and, you know, and, and it spread and, and that's why they died. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu made this Gzeira, Dafka, Bein Pesach Latzeres, that everybody knows it, it had nothing to do with the weather. The weather had, was not a contributing factor because the weather is absolutely beautiful between Pesach and Shavuos. But Chazal tell us that the Daramabal lived in this type of weather climate their entire lives. That's the way life was. It was just absolutely idyllic. And I think the shot is because they were living like in a Ghanadin. They were going back because of Nayak. They were given the opportunity to live in a Ghanadin with perfect weather, no excuses. They had all of the time now in the world because of the innovation of Nayak. They didn't have to work so hard. They could have people working the ground with these great advances in technology, 
beautiful tools, plows, and all this stuff. They had plenty of time. The weather was great. So sit and learn. What are you doing? Adam Lamo Yod. And I think what happened was that when a person has too much time on his hands, it could either be the biggest bracha or it could be the ultimate klolo. When a person retires, and so many times I tell people that are on the verge of retiring, there's some, a person I'm very close with, he's an older, older gentleman, a wonderful man, and he keeps saying, I think I'm going to, re-. I said, no, wait another year to retire. Because when a person retires too young, not that young, but whenever he retires, if you're going to sit and learn, fine, but if you're not going to sit and learn, it's the worst thing in the world to retire. Because your mind starts shutting down and your, you know, your, your ambition stops, stops working so well and you get depressed and you don't feel useful anymore, you lose your purpose, you lose anything in life sort of like it starts withering on the vine. The longer a person can work, the better it is. That's the way we were built. We were built to work. So if you're going to learn full-time, great. But if you're not, it's a terrible thing. And that's what I believe caused the Dharamabal to happen. The Dharamabal, they were very involved in Zima. You know, there's a Mishnah in Ksuvis on the Afnan Testament days that says, Habatala mevili de Zima. When a person is unemployed, when a person is retired, when a person has nothing to do, and he just sits and, and, and you know, holds the couch down all day, what he does is basically, it brings lidezima. It brings to immorality. It brings to decadence. And that's exactly what happened. Because of Nayak, Nayak had the best intentions, but it backfired. Because all that time created people which had now time to think about other things besides for working. So they should have used it for learning and love the Olashama, but instead they started being very interested in Pritzus. And so they mastered the art of Pritzus. Another thing that happened was that they started stealing. Gezel, the, the, the Chasimas Hadin of the Daramabo is because of Gezel. And what does that mean, Gezel? So I saw in the Argadal Yahu that when we speak about Gezel, it doesn't always mean like petty theft, that people were like breaking into other people's homes in the, you know, in the dark of night. What it means that the Xardin was, was Nechtam because of Gezela is that they stole from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They stole the plans and the designs and the ambition that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had for them. They stole that. They weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. Whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us all talents and strengths. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us an active mind and a, and a healthy body. And when we use it for its right purpose, that's wonderful. But when we don't, when we abuse what HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us, when we use our eyes, and instead of using it for learning, we use at it to look, we use it for looking at, at preachers, let's say, or for reading things that we're not supposed to. And when we go, when we run, we use our bodies for things that are usur. All that's an act of gezel. That's why in Ni'ilah, 
What is the main Avera that keeps coming up again and again? We say in the Elah. We want to like, be saved from the, the theft of our hands. What theft? How many of us go and steal different stuff of it? We don't, we're not done of him. But we're saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we're sorry that we've stolen from you all the faculties that you gave us. We haven't been using them properly. We've been wasting them. We have been abusing them. And for that we have the din of a gazlan. And that's what the Dharamabal was. They were gazlanim, not necessarily against themselves, but they were gazlanim because HaKadosh Baruch Hu had empowered them with greatness. He had given them the ability through Nayak to work very little and learn a lot, to be able to be Ayman Hashem in beautiful weather, with a beautiful climate, with a beautiful environment, and instead they stole from HaKadosh Baruch Hu what he had given them. And that is why the Mabel came, because the Mabel had to wipe away this whole generation of people that were lazy, people that abused and misused the gifts of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that is why the kapara, or the potential kapara, would have been through Nayach. Nayach building a teva that HaKadosh Baruch commanded him to build for 120 years, being Tireach. And now we understand like what the, you know, the attitude of people passing by was. Rashi says, you know, what are you busy with? What's the question? What are you busy with? I'm busy. What do you care what I'm busy with? But it was such a chiddish to the people in Daramabal that people should be busy with anything. Because it was such an ideal, idyllic lifestyle that they had. Everybody was retired. Everybody was working so little that if they saw a guy with a hammer and nails and banging and doing so, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Like, just come to the pool. What are you, what are you doing that for? And so Nayak says, no, 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 I'm building a table of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded me to build, to be an, an Amel in Daira, to be an Amel in Avedis Hashem. And that was the Musa. The Tshuva is, stop being lazy. Work a little bit. Be on Amel. Be Tairach in, in the beginning of Hashem. Build the Yeshiva. Build the Shul. Daven a little bit. Learn. But do something with the time that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given you. That was the message. Maybe they would do Tshuva, but they didn't. They didn't understand why it's important to sweat and to work and to be ambitious in life. They lost that ambition. This is something that's very, very Nagea to our generation. You know, there's a, a Zayar that says on this parsha about a Pasuk in this week's parsha. the Pasuk says, In the 600th year, in the lifetime of Nayach, Nifku'u kalmainez ta'im rabah, barubais ha'shamayim niftachu. All of the wellsprings opened up and all of the, the gateways of heaven began to expand. Of course, that's talking about the Mabo, but the Zayar says something different. The Zayar says, and this is brought by the Kotzker, the Kotzker always used to speak about this. He says that the Kavana is not stam the gates of 
of the well of the wellsprings of the world, but it was the Share Achachma, the gate springs of wisdom, Ulamabue Hamado, and all the advances of science. Asher Yiftuchu Lufnebne Enesh Bishnas Hashesh Meis Lawat Hashishi. In the year Tafresh, in the year 1840, this is the Zayar Kaj. The Zayar was written, he lived 2,000 years ago, and he predicted based on a Pasuk in this week's parsha that in the 600th year, that means in the 600, 5,600, we're in 5774 now, in the year 5600, which is the English state 1840, all of the wellsprings of wisdom will begin to open up in the world. And, of course, we know that that exactly happened. In the early 1800s, really at the end of the 1700s, but really it, it peaked in the 1840s. The Industrial Revolution spread throughout Europe. It started in England. People began all of a sudden developing all types of industrial creations, technologies, innovations that were that blew away everything preceding it. Suddenly there were steam engines and there were machinery that were able to create fabrics and, and you know instead of having to weed by hand everything, they were able to have looms and machines that were obviously very low tech compared to what we have today, but it was still innovations that were able to speed up the process of making clothing, of making of, of any industry assembly lines, making automobiles eventually. All of the technologies of medicine and of science, eventually of spacecraft, everything began in earnest in this year, in the 600th year of our, of our millennium in the Jewish calendar, in the year 1840. And from then on, it became so advanced that we see how quickly technology is speeding you know, day by day, every day there's a new invention, a new innovation. And the topless of all of these innovations, of course, is to make life easier for mankind. That's really the purpose of it all. I mean, I'm not saying that that's the kavana for the inventors. Generally speaking, the inventors are were motivated to make money from it. And that's fine, that's capitalism. It's interesting, Rerucham speaks about this a little bit, not with the Zayar, but he says that Nayach innovated the plowshare and he did it L'shem Shemaim and his chus is forever. He says nowadays we have also people that are inventing these great inventions to be able to make life so easy for us. And if only they would have a kavon L'shem Shemaim, says Avirucham, then they would be zeichah l'netzachem every single time Yeshua Bakr is able to learn, they get a piece of the action because they created the washing machine. So instead of Yeshua Bakr having to scrub and you know his laundry, all he has to do is put a couple of quarters in the machine and throw his wash in, put a little liquid detergent, and come back an hour later from Seder. If they would have that kavana, they'd be unbelievable. He says, we, we deserve, we owe them, he says, Akar Whether they'll get schar and shemayim, that depends on their kavana. But if they would have a little bit of good kavana, they'd get tremendous schar. He says it's like the Gemara of Edezara that in the future, you know, Rome is going to come before Akadosh Baruch Hu and say, I want, you know, Schar for all we've done. We built roads and we built bridges and we built all types of commerce. 
And all for the Tyra, Akash Baruch says, you're shaitim shebachem. Says, you're not, you didn't do it for the Tyra, you did it for yourself, for selfish motiv- motivation. But if they would have done it for Kal Yisrael, if they would have a little bit of Hashem Shemaim in, in, in mind, their star would be tremendous, Rabbi Rucham says. But we owe them our Paras These innovations were supposed to make us happier, more comfortable people. And they should, and they do. The problem <laughs> is that these inventions sometimes backfire. Just like in the times of Nayak, when Nayak created a life that was easier for humanity, it backfired. A lot of these innovations are having the exact opposite effect than they were designed to be. Electricity, let's say. Electricity was one of the greatest inventions ever. I mean, it, it enabled, look at what we get Hanoff from the electricity. We're able to have lights in the base matters now. You're able to have lights in the base matters at 2 o'clock in the morning. Tremendous. It's a tremendous invention. You're able to, uh, electricity is able, it changed the world, literally. But the downside of electricity is that it created people that never sleep. I have a friend that's from Belgium. And he told me that in Belgium, and I was there myself, I saw it with my own eyes. I don't know if it's still this way, but I, you know, when I was there, going back, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, the whole Belgium, the whole Antwerp closes at like, I don't know, 6, 7 o'clock at night, the whole town is shut. And it was very frustrating because, you know, if I wanted to get a snack or if I wanted to, you know, buy something here or there, nothing, nothing is open. Everything is amassed. Everything is closed. So I told him, I said, you know, in Belgium, it's like, you know, it's like a, a backwater town. It's like there's nothing, you know, Antwerp is like there's nothing to do at night there. So he says, why is that a bad thing? He says, in Amer- he moved to America. He says, in America, they have something called a convenience store. They have a 7-Eleven. It's open all night. So he says, that convenient? He says, my wife needs a diaper at 2 o'clock in the morning. I got to get dressed. And I got to go to 7-Eleven and get diaper. How is that convenient? says, in Belgium, you know you need diapers, so you get it by 6 o'clock at night, and Shalom Yisrael, that's it. You're in for the night, you can stay at home, and that's an Antarctic. But in, in, Bel- you know, in America, you're, there's people that are constantly moving. So electricity is great, it should make our lives much simpler. You don't have to light candles, you don't have to do this, you don't have to do that. But in the other, the other way, if you're using it for learning, that's great. But if people are you know, using it, because now and now they're all of the skyscrapers in Manhattan are half lit at, at 12 o'clock at night. That means there are people that are working like crazy at 12 o'clock at night. They're not able to rest. They're not able to have that manucha that they should be having for other things. You know, cell phones. Cell phones should be something that, you know, everybody appreciates a cell phone. It's a great thing. You have, you know, you're able to always, you know, call somebody and you're able to... But the cell phone is sometimes, you know, if you grew up with a cell phone, I guess it's something that, you know, you can't imagine living with that. But I remember the time before the cell phone, it wasn't that many years ago, and life, believe it or not, was much better before a cell phone. A cell phone killed human life in a certain way. Because it's true, if you need it for an emergency, it's great, and if you need it to, you know, to, you know you're expecting a phone call, it's good to know that, you know, you know, you don't have to sit by the phone at home all day. But in a sense, it's the worst thing in the world. There's never a time that you're actually able to be free. You are never, if you're on vacation, you have a cell phone, people are calling you at work. 
And if you're driving in a car and you want to just listen to a shear or you just want to think about nothing, people are calling you and texting you and handling It never ends. You never have that menucha. So what was designed for menucha purposes ended up becoming the opposite. Just like in the times of Nayaf, they used their free time and they used it for destructive purposes. Text messages. So it's a terrible thing. It's great in a way, but there's no more, you know, great Jewish letters would not have come out if there was always emails. Because, you know, there's, there's no letters. Who writes a letter anymore? Does anyone sit and write a letter? Everything is like OMG and TY and I, you know, everything is, it's all Russia Tavis. There's no beginning, there's no end, there's no meaning, there's no emotion. It's all just, you know, it's just so, so nothing. That's email, behind the time of the email, behind the time of the, the text message, behind the time of the Twitter. It's all the same. It's just short, nothing messages that have no meaning, no reality, no, no kium. And that's a shame. There's no art of communication. Everything is lost because of this, you know, drive for technology, which itself is very great. It's a great, it could be used for amazing purposes. The alcool on the internet. There's nothing greater, in a sense, than the Internet. The Internet basically created a world that you don't have to leave your home. You'd be able to theoretically, you know, shop. You could buy everything, have everything delivered on the Internet, books and food and clothing. And, you know, you could get shiurim on the Internet. But look at what the Internet is also. The Internet is the biggest avia that the world has ever seen. The schmutz and the and the and the, and the, and the, the pictures and the, the advertisements and the and the articles and and the chayena the chayena, all these things as as a result of the technology which might have been you know the most wonderful thing but it was distorted and made into something <coughs> terrible. Now during the time preceding the Asifa last year of the or two years ago for the internet. There we had there was a big Asifa for those of you that might not know in uh, in in Met in, what's it called in City Field. And I got a lot of tickets. We got the greatest seats in the stadium for some strange reason. We got like ninety seats that were like in the VIP section, most of them and um, it was a it was a beautiful night. But it was, it was packed. There was like that city field was filled up and then Arthur Ashe Stadium, that store was filled up. People were tzmeyim, charedim with Hashem, trying to understand what to do. At first it was like a laughing stock. No one thought they would be able to get anywhere near filling up the stadium against the internet. What a funny thing. And then there was overflow crowds. Everybody wanted to know, to hear the Tvar Hashem about what to do about the internet. Before that Asifa, I didn't even, before I know anyone even knew about the Asifa, I was speaking once to Marash Yeshiva, to Aaron Shafter. We were sitting in a car together after I drove him home from a bris. And I told him about, you know, the internet. I didn't know that anything big was being planned. I was just saying, I'm like, what do we do? You know, what, it's, uh, you know, what do you do about the internet? At the end of the day, it's impossible. People need it. Everyone needs it. Guys in Yeshiva, you know, you're in college, you need to do your research and, you know, but how do, you, how do you avoid the schmutz? And he basically gave me an Eitzah, which, you know, was, was, a, you know was, was a good Eitzah, but 
one thing he says is you have to explain to the Talmidim, he says that you're not a machine. You're not a robot. And by becoming too attached to the internet, which we all are, what we're basically doing is we're cre- we are becoming robotic. We are lacking, before computers, human beings were human beings. Not saying everybody was a perfect human being, but whatever you were, you were. You weren't attached. You weren't addicted. You weren't completely like a, an, an appendage to a computer. Today, we're all appendages to the computer. We're all atta- we need a computer. We can't do without a computer. If Kalila, you know, if a day goes by and I don't have access to my email or whatever, I go crazy. That's not the way a human being should be. But that's the way we find ourselves today. And just like Nayak with his innovations, unfortunately, he wanted the world to be Benayak, but instead they were Belechlocha. They were running and they were doing and they were busy with schmutz and with things that they shouldn't. That's exactly the matzah that we have today, and that's why this Zayar Kaddish, I believe, is in this week's parasha, to teach us that in the year 600, there's going to be another model. Because with the Industrial Revolution, as great as that was, and thank God for that Industrial Revolution. You know, we have indoor plumbing because of the Industrial Revolution. We have the ability to have dishwashers because of the Industrial Revolution. We have the ability to have automobiles and cars and all types of machines that are necessary. And you don't know how our lives are better. Medicine, penicillin, all the things that came about as a result of this Pesichas HaMayonis. Because of the Mayan of the world of Chachma, we benefit, and we have to have Akaras HaTai, but we also have to realize that these are dangerous things sometimes, and if there is Menucha that accrues to us as a result of these innovations, it must be used for Amelos Patayra. It must be used only to serve the purpose of L'Avdo L'Shamra, and not to be used in and of itself as a tool itself to get caught up in, because that will bring Zima, and that will bring Gezel. We'll be stealing our lives away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And I think the only Eitzah is that just like in the times of the Mabel, Nayach, Ubana, Ishtai went into the Teva, the Teva was a Makim Kedusha, it was a place of holiness, it was a place of sanctity, we as B'nai Taira have one Eitzah in this time that we live in with all the technology that are bombarding us around us from every single side and that's we have to come back to the table. And the Teva, as is brought by many of the Achreinim, the Teva of our times is the Yeshiva. It's the Beis The more we're able to immerse ourselves in the Teva and away from the world at large, the better it is. Is an escape from reality? Absolutely, it's an escape. And that's the only way we, we there's no Eitzah. I have an uncle who's a, he's a retired Rav. He was a Rav for many, many, many years, and he's a tremendous person. And he always told me about, he says, in, you know, in every shul, in every yeshiva, you know, you have exit signs. I don't know what these two exit signs are for, but the ones at the back, the ones at the back of the base medrash, um, maybe they should have gone to those doors, I don't know. But, um, at the back of the basement, there are exit signs, and on the on the uh, the building, you know, exit signs, how to get out. It says the truth of the matter is that the exit sign should be on the outside of the doors of the basement. On the outside of yeshiva should be the exit sign because we have to exit from that world outside. 
that world which has a mabel of shmutz and a mabel of tumah and a mabel of zima and a mabel of ashkos and a mabel of gezel, you have to escape from that world. Don't exit the base medrash. Exit into the base medrash. This is the last vestige of hope. If we have a chance of survival, if we have a chance ourselves of maintaining any kedusha, raising children. It's only because we have these tevas in the world. And these tevas in the world are being wrapped as we speak. In Eretz Yisrael, the Gezeris that are taking place one day after another does not stop, unabated. Gezeris against Bnei Tyro. Gezeris against Charedin. Gezeris against children. Gezeris now against that are coming to Israel to learn. They stopped complete. There used to be a budget that when whatever yeshiva you learned in Eretz Israel, I presume, had a, a deal with the government, they got a certain amount of money so that they could survive. The Mir Yeshiva has thousands of Americans learning there. But they just cut out the entire budget for the millions of dollars that the government was giving to the Mir. Now is shut. The Tevis are being completely wrapped. If we have a table of our own, we have to make sure to be here, to enjoy it, but to use it, to find, make this the dearest kebab of our life. Not that we're on the second floor, third floor, and, and once in a while we'll come down to the Spanish procedure when we have to. This is the main place. This is the table. The other things that we're doing are also important. But it's, like the Gemara says, you might think that the Amelos, Adam Lamelulad, is for those things. No. It's from Melos HaTayra. The main thing that we have to do in our life, and it's not always easy because we're used to, you know, things being very easy. Melos is a difficult thing. No one likes to work. Everybody likes much easier to sit and, and surf a computer the whole day than sit and, and, you know, with your pasture over the Gemara and actually, you know, learning with, and struggling with the Tyson. It's very difficult. But that's why we're here. And this is the place that we're here to, to, to do it. And if you think it's after you graduate that you're going to be able to do it, forget that. It's not true. Now in your life is the best and only time. The primary time of Schneiding is now. And so, in this world that we live in, and you live in a dar that's different than my dar, and my dar was different than the one before it. But the challenges that are faced in these times are incredible. And the fact that, you know, we have a room full of people sitting and learning day and night is a nace, a pure, pure nace, niglo. That in 2013 we should have an entire sitting in a base medish and learning in Malayla is tremendous. <coughs> but we have to redouble our efforts and our focus and understanding the challenges that lie outside of the base medish, the need to run into the base medish, come into the teva, Enjoy the Teva. We have a long Zman ahead of us. Baruch Hashem. It's a, we say L'chaparaz Pasha today. It's a, there's a double Hadar. It's a long, beautiful Zman. Take full advantage. Don't say, oh, it's too long. It's just enjoy every minute. Soak it up. Enjoy the beautiful, hermetically sealed base Medrash. Don't allow Schmutz to come in. Try to make a Durham for ourselves to avoid the technology trap and avoid drowning in the marble of the technology today. And let's try, in Mitzah Hashem, together to realize the true Nayak, the Nayak of 
the Menucha, Shlema Shata Reitzaba, Nayak's Kavana for building his innovations, and Amitza Hashem should use everything smartly and Lushem Shabbat.